Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Welcome to the Minor Prophets class by Christ Church of Ornogo. My name is Drake Holderman. I'm teaching this class on Sunday mornings at 9.15 in the Adult Ministry Center. This is a recording that will be a little bit different than what we typically do. We had some uh, technical difficulties this past Sunday where we typically record the class. Um, the, that did not work out for us, so we're coming here to the studio to give a highlight of the class that we taught this past Sunday in our Minor Prophets study. If you are interested in joining us, like I said, that's at 9.15 every Sunday this fall uh, in the Adult Ministry Center, a group of about 50 or so of us going through the Minor Prophets book by book, studying the messages that they have for the people of God to see how they are applicable to us and uh, see how we can grow closer to Jesus through the study of these books. Once again, grateful that you're tuning in to this episode. Uh, this episode is featuring the book of Hosea. Like I mentioned, uh, in this Minor Prophets class, we're going through the 12 different Minor Prophets at the end of the Old Testament. These Minor Prophets have an unfortunate nickname of Minor. There's nothing insignificant about them. Uh, they're just shorter. Hosea, however, is the longest of the minor prophets with 14 chapters. It's probably one of the well-known minor prophet books uh, for Hosea's situation that uh, he found himself in when he was a prophet is quite unique. Uh, I think that's one way you could say it. Um, but I want to, my hope for this class and this episode that I'm recording here in the studio is to give the hearer a understanding of the book, some of the historical context and an outline of the book so that when you read the 14 chapters of Hosea, you would be able to have a good understanding of what Hosea is pointing to about the character and nature of God, about the character and nature of God's people and the character and nature of what God is trying to do in the covenant relationship that he has with his people. Uh, the context for all of these books, um, all of the minor prophets, is the covenant relationship that God has with his people. That's important for us to remember as we're studying the book of Hosea today. I want to fill you in on some of the historical context that Hosea was facing in his time as a prophet. Uh, Hosea was an Israelite prophet in the 8th century. We believe that he was one of the first prophets uh, to have lived and prophesied to the people of God. Primarily, his message is to the northern kingdom of Israel. You will remember that at the time of Rehoboam and Jeroboam, uh, the kingdom of God split, or the people of God split. You had tw uh, 10 tribes go uh, to the northern kingdom that was referred to as Israel. Also in the book of Hosea, they're referred to as Ephraim. You had two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, uh, who made up the southern kingdom of Judah. There is a little bit of mention of Judah in the book of Hosea, but most of the mention and the message of Hosea's prophecy is to the northern kingdom of Israel. During Hosea's time as a prophet, uh, Israel, the northern kingdom, accomplished several national advancements. Uh, this was a time of great uh, economical, political growth. Um, but in this season where Hosea was living and prophesying, there was also severe unfaithfulness when it came to the Israelites' relationship, the covenant relationship that they had with God. 
This is because all of these advancements and, and, and acts of unfaithfulness really find their root in Israel's desire to be like other nations around them. They saw uh, the nations of Egypt and Assyria and the political and economical and uh, the growth that these nations were having, and they wanted that. Uh, but that came at a cost, and that cost was unfaithfulness to to God and their relationship with God. So they began to uh, worship foreign idols and sacrifice to these idols, and they had little to no love or knowledge of God. And Hosea is placed in this group of people to prophesy to this group of people to bring them back and remind them of their relationship with God to show them how far they have strayed from God. Now, speaking of Hosea, the man, the prophet, little is known of who he is. Uh, we know his dad's name from the uh, inscription at the very beginning of Hosea 1.1. His dad's name is Biri. Um, but it is, we, we can derive this from the book of Hosea as we read that Hosea was a man of deep moral conviction which is an odd thing for me to say about this man specifically because of the way in which he enacted out how he was called by God to enact out uh, this prophecy, the message that he was to proclaim to Israel. We get, we'll get into that in just a moment. Some of the major themes that are in the book of Hosea that I want you to have on your mind as you read all 14 chapters of this book. It's very clear through the book of Hosea that God's people have broken their covenant that they made with God. Now, they've made several covenants with God. I'm speaking directly about the one that the Israelites made as Moses was on their leader on Mount Sinai that he made with God as he would lead the people. They were unfaithful to the Ten Commandments. They were worshiping other idols. They had most certainly broken the covenant relationship that they made with God. Now, when I say covenant, I think the strongest uh, picture and example we have in our time would be the covenant of marriage. Marriage, as held as it is sacred, is a commitment to one another, a relational commitment to one another to do good and to be good and to fulfill the promises that you have made to your spouse. This is the same kind of relationship that God would have with Israel. And we will see that even the imagery of marriage is a primary primary image of the book of Hosea. Second major theme that I want to point out from the book of Hosea is this. God is frustrated, but he is focused on restoring his covenant relationship with his people. You will see the anger of God in the book of Hosea, the frustration of God, but you will also see the sympathy, the compassion, the love of God in the book of Hosea as he is pursuing his people. And we see this, that God has a committed love for his people. Our God is, this is true today as it was for the people in Israel, our God is committed to those to whom he loves. That's a little bit of the theme and historical context of the book of Hosea. I want to jump in now to Hosea's chapter one through three. These are undoubtedly the most well-known chapters of the book of Hosea. These are the ones where preachers will preach from. These are the ones that draw people's attention to this book. Chapters one through three are the reason that Hosea stands out as probably the most well-known minor prophet. I want to read now Hosea chapter one, verses two through three. Hosea, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. 
So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. This is the reason that I said that when I called Hosea a man of deep moral conviction, that it's a little bit ironic because of the relationship that he would have with this woman named Gomer. This is also weird. We have to admit, it's a little bit weird that God would ask his prophet to do this, to ask his prophet to marry a promiscuous woman. That word promiscuous is translated uh, a a wife of harlotry in the KJV, uh, a prostitute in the New Living Translation, as I've read read today from the New International Version, a promiscuous woman. We're not entirely sure uh, if she was a prostitute at the time that Hosea married her, or if she was just someone who was sleeping around. We're not entirely sure, but we do know this. I appreciate the wording of the NIV, that she was promiscuous. She was not the kind of wife that a prophet of God would be, well, that we would think would be called to marry. But here God is asking his prophet Hosea to marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. But here's the reason that he does it. I want to point us back to the second verse there in the first chapter, the end of it. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. What Hosea, what God is referencing to Hosea, rather, is that like Gomer is a promiscuous woman, Israel, we could say this, the wife of God is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. God is going to use this marital relationship between Hosea and Gomer to show the people of Israel how they have strayed from their relationship with him. Now, I want to read a section from 2 Kings chapter 17. This is before uh, the, the, or this is after the prophet Hosea has um, prophesied. This is describing the way in which Israel was turning to other nations and to other lands because they wanted to be like them. This is what God is referring to when he is talking about the Israelites' unfaithfulness to him. This is from 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 through 13, and verses 18 through 23. All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh the king. They worshiped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced." You see in those first two verses that I read that they are already worshiping other gods and taking on the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced, which is practices of idolatry. Verse nine, the Israelites secretly did things against the Lord, their God that were not right from watchtower to fortified city. They built themselves high places in all their towns. When you hear the word high places, this would be a place of idolatry, a place of worship for something or someone other than God. Verse 10, they set up sacred stones and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. Once again, more places of worship, of idolatry. At every high place, they burned incense as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that aroused the Lord's anger. I want you to remember that word, that phrase, aroused the Lord's anger. Remember, a theme of this book of Hosea is that God is frustrated, undoubtedly. They worshiped idols, though the Lord said, you shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers. Hosea would have been one of them. 
Turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. Remember, Hosea is one of those prophets. Verse 18. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed from them his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left. And even Judah did not keep the commands of the Lord their God. They followed the practices Israel had introduced. Therefore, the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He afflicted them and gave them into the hands of plunderers until he thrust them from his presence. When he tore Israel away from the house of David, they made Jeroboam son of Nebat their king. Jeroboam enticed Israel away from following the Lord and caused them to commit a great sin. The Israelites persisted in all the sins of Jeroboam and did not turn away from them until the Lord removed them from his presence, as he had warned through all his servants the prophets. So the people of Israel were taken from their homeland into exile in Assyria, and they are still there. This is the situation in which Hosea was living. This is the context in which he was living. This is the relationship between God and his people Israel. And we see in this relationship that Israel has been unfaithful to God. This is exactly why God commands or asks his servant Hosea, one of the prophets, to marry a promiscuous woman or a prostitute because he is going to use the relationship between Hosea and Gomer to show exactly the situation that is happening in the land of Israel and their relationship with God. I want to fast forward to Hosea chapter 3. We have now at this point, Hosea and Gomer have been married. They've actually had a few children, but Hosea, I'm sorry, but Gomer is gone. She's out of the picture. We're not entirely sure at this point where she has gone. We just know that she's not at home. She is not loving Hosea. She is not doing her relational duties as a wife and a mother. She is absent from the relationship. This is Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Now that would be a very clear uh, passage of scripture until they just said, love the sacred raisin cakes. The explanation for that is that the raisin cakes would be used in the enjoyment and the worship of false gods. But you see there that Hosea is now commanded by God to go and to find and to love Gomer again, because this is what God is planning and wanting to do with Israel. So he commands Hosea to go to Gomer as a picture of what he is planning to do for Israel. Verse 2 of chapter 3. This is Hosea. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way toward you. This is language of covenant. Before that, in verse three, we have verse two, where we see that Hosea went and bought his wife back for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. This is interesting that he would have to buy his wife back. Now, there's two camps as to where Gomer was at this time in history. 
One camp believes that she was out uh, just sleeping with other men, that maybe she had gone to another man's house and became the wife of that man. There are another camp, and this is the camp that I tend to fall into, believe that uh, Gomer was now something of a sex slave, that she was back into the business of prostitution, uh, maybe maybe for the first time. I guess I shouldn't say back into the business. We don't know that she was pr- uh, previously in it, but maybe that's her situation. And I think that's her situation because home Hosea is forced to buy her back for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Now, the price of a slave, remember I said that she was a prostitute. She would have been in the business of sex slavery. The price of a slave was about 30 shekels of silver. Hosea says that he had to purchase her back for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. This would be equivalent to 30 shekels of silver, the price of a slave or a little bit less. But Hosea has to buy his wife back. I also think that this is probably the context in which Gomer finds herself in because of the place where the Israelites were find or would find themselves and the place that we find ourselves today. We use the language today from books like Romans to be slaves to sin. I think that she was in a situation that she had to be purchased back from. I mean, don't miss this. This is exactly what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We are, it is often used, uh, the, the language of marriage of Christ, the bridegroom or the, the husband and the church is his bride. We are in a covenant relationship with God. And through Jesus, God has restored this relationship with us. He came looking for us in Jesus. Jesus put on flesh and bone, and he came to us. He found us like Hosea found Gomer. And he also purchased us back, but it wasn't with shekels or grains. It was with his blood. A lot of people have issue with the story of Hosea and Gomer simply because they cannot believe that a prophet would marry a prostitute or a promiscuous woman. But that's not the most scandalous relationship in Scripture. If there's a relationship that's harder to believe than the relationship of prophet and prostitute, it is the relationship between God and mankind that God would die to purchase back his people, those whom he loves. So there are a lot of people today who will say that the book or the story of Hosea is just parable or imagery or metaphor. I don't find that to be the case. I think Hosea was a real person. I think Gomer was a real person. And the situations in Hosea chapter one through three were real situations in which Hosea and Gomer found themselves that God situated them in those situations so that he could share the message of his love and his grace, his kindness, his restoration with his people. For exactly what he had Hosea do for Gomer, he was going to do for his people in Christ Jesus. He was going to buy them back. I want to read now again with that on our minds, Hosea chapter 3, verse 3, one more time. Hosea is speaking to Gomer and he said this, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man and I will behave the same way toward you. That's covenant relationship language. He is calling Gomer to the standards of the covenant to be faithful to him and he will be faithful to her. It's the same kind of promise that we make in our marriages today and it is most certainly the same kind of promise that God has made to us and he is asking us to make to him.
Names are important, especially in the Old Testament when names carried so much weight and meaning, and the names were a part of the message. You can read in Hosea chapter 1 the names of Hosea and Gomer's children. These names show the frustration that God has with his people, Israel. But I also want to bring up the meaning behind the names of Hosea and Gomer. Gomer's name is by all accounts uh, unfortunate when it comes to actually speaking her name and uh, that being your name. I mean, Gomer is one of the worst names that you could have. But the meaning of her name is actually quite beautiful. Hosea's, I'm sorry, Gomer's name means complete or whole or perfect in Hebrew. It is a name that carries with it a satisfaction for being complete. Hosea's name means God saves. I don't want us to miss the message of these names in the book of Hosea. Gomer's name's whole, complete, perfect, only because she has been saved by God through her marriage to Hosea. Not because they are married, but because this is the exact situation that God is planning to do with us and with his people in the time of Israel. He is going to make us whole or complete or perfect in and through Jesus. If you've been around Christ Church for long, you know that our vision for every person at Christ Church is to find completeness in Jesus. This is exactly what these names are meaning in the book of Hosea, as Gomer can find and only will find completeness in her relationship with Hosea. This is the message that God has for Israel. They will only be whole or complete when they find their relationship, their satisfaction, their joy in God. We will only be whole or complete when we find our relationship, our greatest desires in Jesus. That's Hosea chapter 1 through 3 which is the best or most well-known portion of Hosea, but there are still more chapters. There's 14 chapters in total. I want to run through those uh, a little bit. Hosea 4 through 10 is a compiled writing of different charges and warnings, judgments and punishments against Israel. And all of these writings point back to Israel's unfaithfulness to God. So what Hosea is doing is he gave the picture in 1 through 3 of the relationship between God and Israel through the relationship of Hosea and Gomer. And in verse, chapters 4 through 10, he is pointing back to the different charges or instances to prove his point that Israel has been unfaithful to God. In Hosea chapter 11, though, we see that while God is frustrated, his love and compassion is focused on restoring his relationship with Israel. I'm going to read Hosea chapter 11, 1 through 11, and I want you to hear the heart of the Father for his people. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Ephraim is another word or name for Israel. Taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it, that I, it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. 
Will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn away from me. Even though they call me God most high, I will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I want you to remember from 2 Kings chapter 17 that the anger of God had been aroused. Now, the compassion of God, frustrated, but his love focused. Verse 9 of Hosea chapter 11. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again, for I am God. I am not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt, trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. This is language of restoration. This is what God plans to do for Israel and what he has done for us through Jesus. Now Hosea is chapter 12 through 14. Hosea is chapter 12 through 13 are more warnings and accusations that give proof through the testimony of Israel's history. I would encourage you to read those chapters to see the relational frustrations that are happening between God and Israel. But Hosea 14 encourages the reader that this is not the end. Hosea 14 also encourages the reader to take heed of Hosea's prophecy, of the message that God has been speaking through the lips of Hosea and also the relationship between Hosea and Gomer. I think Hosea chapter 14 verse 9 is an added note by the author who compiled the works of Hosea. This is what he says, who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. This verse is found at the very end of Hosea. And after reading this book, those who read the book would have understood the relationship between Hosea and Gomer. They would have understood probably because they were living this out, the relationship between God and Israel, between God and mankind. And what the author, the ender of this book says is, who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who's discerning? Let them understand the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Even to this day, there are people whom God is trying to restore to relationship who are stumbling, who are falling into the ways of the nations around them, like Assyria, or I'm sorry, like Israel was falling into the ways of Assyria. It is true that it is only the way of the Lord that is right. And it is true that those who consider themselves righteous, who are righteous, who are finding their righteousness in the righteous one of Jesus, walk in the ways of the Lord. But those who do not walk in the way of the Lord, who follow the ways of the world, will stumble. They will be like Gomer. But there is hope because through Jesus, like Hosea did for Gomer, Jesus has come for us and he has rescued us. There is hope, there is completeness, there is wholeness in the person of Jesus. When we give ourselves to him, we find ourselves whole in him.
I want to end this episode on the book of Hosea with a story. There was once a young boy who made a boat in his garage with his dad. This was a boat that he worked on and crafted and took great pride in. It was a sailboat and it had a mast with a sail. He took it down to the local lake one day. And as he took it to the lake, his sailboat began to gain speed on the water. And soon it gained too much speed. And the young boy watched as his sailboat took off and got lost in the lake. He was devastated. He returned home with tears in his eyes and he was saddened by the loss of his his boat. Several weeks later, this young man is walking through downtown and he spots a shop and at the window of the shop is his boat. He goes into the shop and he grabs the boat and he sees on the bottom of the boat his name inscribed. He takes it up to the counter And he says to the clerk, excuse me, sir, this is my boat. I lost it, but it's mine. The clerk had no compassion, no sympathy. And he said, well, it's mine now. You'll have to buy it if you want it. The young man pleaded with the clerk, but the clerk gave no pity. The young man had to go home and he went to his piggy bank and he broke it open and he scrounged all the money he could and he took it back to the store and he purchased his boat. As he was walking home with his boat that evening, he spoke these words over his boat. You are twice mine. I made you and then I bought you. You are twice mine. Friends, when you think of our relationship with our father, he made us. We were created in his image to be in relationship with him, but then we got lost in the ways of the world. However, he bought us. We are twice his. Thank you for joining us for this class on the book of Hosea. If you'd like to join us in our study of the Minor Prophets this fall, it's Sundays at 9.15 in the Adult Ministry Center. We'll be going through each of the Minor Prophets, studying their message to see the character and nature of God and His love for His people. We'll hope that you join us. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.